0: The program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management.
1: a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC. A broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. Saterra is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Saterra Advisor Networks, LLC nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is a marketing assistant of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and is associated with Sotero Advisor Networks, LLC.
0: It is time now for Making Money Sense with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view, call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air.
1: It is. And it is time for another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. But today, Dina Arnett is in studio with us. Hey,
2: Dina. Hi, good happy to see you, to see you guys. Always, What's going on?
1: Always good to see you. Excited about today's program. Lots of things to talk about. Some Boy, howdy, scary isn't that the truth? not-so-scary things, and I'll turn it over to you and just listen.
2: Well, before we dive in, I just want to remind people that we have a webinar coming up back by popular demand. Larry's going to present his webinar on the Secure Act 2.0, and the Secure Act 2.0 changed the way people will inherit IRA money. It used to be that if your child or grandchild inherited your 401k or your IRA, they could take distributions from those accounts over the rest of their remaining life expectancy. Mm -hmm. Secure Act 2.0 changed that in a material way. And, And some of the changes are a little confusing. So Larry's going to bring back that webinar And he's going to discuss not only the changes, but ways to ensure that your heirs, your beneficiaries, aren't subject to excessive and unnecessary taxation. If you go to our website, RosenthalWealthManagement.com, click on the seminars link, you'll be able to register for either a lunchtime version of the webinar or an evening after work version of the webinar. Chris, what was that date again?
1: Uh, It's coming up on the 20th, I believe. (laughs) I think it's the
2: 20th I'm pretty sure very good very good so go to our website sign up for that it's no cost to you and it's some great information as you plan uh, as you work on your family's financial plan and incorporate all these new changes
1: exciting stuff if you'd like to dial in and talk to dina today 855-767-3123 is that telephone number to call any questions you've got today anything that's on your mind give us a call 855-ROSE-123
2: it has been um, a smoother week in the market than I would have expected. Um, as, as we are all very painfully aware, um, there is now a, a war between Hamas and Israel after, after just a devastating attack last weekend. Um, it, I would have expected the market to have reacted more severely this week than it did but, um, the Dow was actually up about three quarters of a percent this week. It's up one and a half for the year. So far the S and P was up about a half a percent this week. It's up 12.7% so far for 2023. The tech heavy NASDAQ lost just a little smidge this week, 0.18%, still up 28% for the year so far. And I know we've seen those numbers a little bit higher. We had some, uh, worse-than-expected economic news in August and again in September. So we gave back some of the earlier gains. Still very solid, positive performance, um, especially in the S&P and the NASDAQ uh, thus far this year. It's hard to say, Chris, what – um, what lasting impact this new war between Israel and Hamas may have? Um, there's concern that oil prices will spike um, if you if you think back um, to other times, there was the, the um, 1973 Yom Kippur war and there was a, a big oil spike at that time. But um, the landscape in terms of geopolitics and oil and the negotiation over barrel supply, that shifted a whole lot in the past half century. So I don't know that we can necessarily expect the same thing. Mm -hmm. I do know that markets are watching very, very carefully. World leaders are, are getting together and working on plans to hopefully help help move this forward with less bloodshed. Um, don't have any, I'm not real tactful with stuff like that. It's shocking. It's horrifying. And in terms of what we do with financial planning, I, I feel that the, the market response was blissfully much milder than I would have expected.
1: Yeah. And it, those things are just heart wrenching. It's, it's really horrible to watch this and really sad in so many ways, but, uh, our hearts are with you guys over there and hang in there and do your best to, Keep your head uh, head down, you know. Eight five five seven six seven three one two three is the number to call. By the way, I was mistaken. October twenty fourth, I missed it by a couple of days. If you see it, if you see it on the screen there, it's uh, October twenty fourth, both at noon and six p.m. Eastern, and you can register online. And I'm going to put up a QR code for you to be able to grab if you're watching us on YouTube. There you I go.
2: love that you can do that. There is a. That's just <laughs> such. That's such a cool thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the QR code's up there, so if you'd like to join us, it's going to be a great time. Larry does a great job, and we'd love to have you there participating, so don't forget to register.
2: More economic data this week. We got the U.S. CPI numbers. uh, That stands for Consumer Price Index, and that measures inflation. We look at inflation on a year-over-year basis. We also look at it on a month-to-month basis. And the reading that we got uh, this past week was for the month of September, Prices were expected to increase by 0.3%. They rose by 04 so slightly elevated from what was expected. And compared to a year ago, the CPI is up 3.7%, which is exactly what it was a month ago. Um, The core CPI, that is everything minus food and energy, core CPI rose 4.1%, and that's actually a slightly lower increase, a slightly lower year-over-year increase than we saw in August. So I, I, I think we can... I hope we can surmise that the Fed's interest rate policy uh to combat inflation. I think it's working. It's it's it feels like it's sort of been grinding and, and really slow in plotting, but I, I do think it's working. The Fed has cautioned us after their meeting in September that they had probably one more rate hike this year for 2023 and to expect rates to be higher for longer. So they're warning us. They're telling us not to expect them to start dropping rates anytime soon. Mm-hmm. They think that it's going to take a period of extended int- higher interest rates to truly quash inflation. Time will tell. I um it's it's very interesting to look at all the different data pieces and try to put together some forecast of what you think is coming. Some I places will some look gas at the prices
1: are going down. Oh my uh, goodness! Getting to the to the pump and seeing that huge sticker prices sticker shock all the time anymore.
2: It 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 is, and I I'm not sure that's going to change anytime soon. Um, what's interesting though is you've got different groups who will track different aspects of the market, and they try to use that in a predictive way. There's there's a group out there that tracks S&P futures markets, and it looks at the buying and the selling of options within that market and makes determinations. And this group has assigned a 93% probability that the Fed will not raise rates when they meet in uh, at the end of this month, actually. They're meeting on October 31st. So again, everybody reads the tea leaves a, a little bit differently. I think the Fed is trying to at this point underpromise and overdeliver. We'll see.
1: It's not like there's not a lot of things being thrown at them right now. <laughs> My goodness. So It's it, it
2: it it is a lot. It is a lot. Um you know, we've got we've got of course two wars uh, in different parts of the world we've got here in the united states we've got the republican party trying to decide who they're going to elect as their new speaker of the house um it, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff what everywhere
1: involves, can you have up in the air and juggle and still trying to figure out what the tea leaves mean in the end but just pray uh
2: well, for well and that that's uh, that's truly that's the whole premise behind financial planning, right? The premise behind financial planning is hey, we can't predict what's going to happen globally in the markets, in the economy, from one day to the next. But if we have a plan in place and we monitor that plan with a target toward your goals, with a target toward your investment returns over time, when these scary things happen, when these unexpected things come flying in from left field, we can count on that plan to give us some peace to know that even though something has temporarily derailed us, we're still on pace to achieve those goals. That we haven't just, we haven't just blown the whole thing up. Well, you've got some so exciting I, things
1: that you do there because you stress test not only what the economy can do, but against the plan. They've got the goals and things that may change and, and cause different effects on the plan. And you guys have that all built into the secret sauce, right?
2: Well, yes, yes we do. Um, in fact, uh, one of the neat things about the the way we do financial planning, the, those stress tests are critical. We can stress test for a, a prolonged flat market. We can stress test for a pro- prolonged period of high inflation. We can stress test the overall plan to determine probability of success. So we're not just relying on spreadsheets. We're not just relying on historic market performance. We're stress testing against the big bads that could come in and potentially, again, derail for a period of time. What I find is that even when these scary events happen, when we have a a market year like last year when the S&P was down 19%, when we have those kind of years, it can feel like, oh, Never going to retire, or I'm never going to send my child to college. I'm never going to be able to buy that new home. It can feel like those events just completely blow up the plan. Most times they don't, as long as you can stay focused on the plan and still implement the plan through those hard times.
1: Yeah, there you go. Hey, let's take a quick break, and we'll get started with the Larry Rosenthal show with uh, Dean Arnett in studio with us just after this break. And we'd love to hear from you at eight five five seven six seven. Three one two three. That's 855-ROSE-123. Back in a minute with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show.
0: You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More making money sense in a moment.
3: right now with your questions 855-767-3123 that's 855-ROSE-123 coast to coast from the nation's capital this is the Larry Rosenthal show and here's another money
0: minute with Larry Rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing how about dollar cost averaging put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval whether it's monthly quarterly annually whatever it may be This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years.
1: The Larry Rosenthal Show, 855 767 3123. 855 Rose 123. In studio with us today is Dina Arnett. She's talking to us about all kinds of cool things. We've already talked about some very interesting things and some scary things. What else are we talking about today?
2: Well, you know, I always try to talk about things that clients ask me about throughout the course of the week. Sometimes mm-hmm. I get unusual questions. Sometimes I get unusual circumstances. And I had a client in this week who had a variable annuity that she had bought some 12, 13, 14 years ago. And at the time she bought it, it was a great thing. It would promise a an ever-increasing a a base against which she could draw income in retirement. It promised a doubling of her original deposit. I mean, it seemed like a really great thing. And we found out that she has reached the point in this particular annuity program where they won't promise any more increases on anything. It's basically stuck right where it is. And she says, well, is there anything better That I could do. And we did some research and found that, in fact, there are some other things that she can do. So I just wanted to put out there for our listeners today. Over time, you will find that things you put into place long ago, they either may not fit anymore Or they may not necessarily be the best product, the best strategy for that segment of your financial plan. Um, So today, in in that vein, I'm going to talk about annuities and encourage our listeners who may already have annuities. If you've had them for a long time, it's a great time to reevaluate those against what is available in the marketplace right now. There may be a, a richer benefit that you could switch out of the old and into the new. For this particular client, we did just that. We looked at the guaranteed income that this annuity program would provide for her if she kept it in place, and we looked at what's available to her if she makes a move. And there's pros and cons to both sides of this, but the first thing to understand, first of all, is what type of annuity program are you engaged in? Is it a variable annuity where the performance is based on individual mutual fund-like investments within the contract? Is it a fixed annuity that acts sort of like a CD at the bank? Or is it a hybrid between the two? And, And most often those are called equity indexed or fixed indexed annuities. And they will give a portion of the market growth in exchange for either No downside whatsoever or a very limited downside. Um, Some of these programs will have riders. In insurance world, a, a contractual obligation is called a rider. These annuity programs can have riders to provide enhanced death benefits. They may allow you to draw money out during your retirement years and then When you pass away, when you go to heaven, if there's a dollar left in the contract, they'll replenish everything that you originally put into it and give that to your beneficiary. Some of of these programs are are pretty rich. Um, There are other programs that will provide lifetime guaranteed income. Some of these lifetime guaranteed income writers come with cost of living adjustments. Sometimes they come with little bonus payments in years of positive market performance. In the variable annuity world, there's a lot of that kind of thing.
1: Well, that's got to be a huge uh, initial deposit for something like that, though, I would imagine.
2: It can be. Um, I have had clients who started a program like this in their 50s so that it gave 10 years or more to accumulate before they started drawing on it in retirement. And if you do it that way, that can keep you from having to put these huge sums of money in all up front, mm. certainly. Um, it's also going to depend on the performance of those underlying investments. Um I, and and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not using this program today as a pitch to run by annuities. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is if you've got an annuity product that you bought I'm going to say more than 7 or 8 years ago, it I believe it, it warrants a review. Absolutely. It warrants a review to see if that product, if that program is still the best that you can have.
1: Well, speaking of reviews, I mean, that isn't that something you want to do all the time, right? You want to get your financial plan reviewed to include annuities or whatever else you've got in there on a regular basis. And I think that's something you do, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. A good financial plan is going to look at the nuts and the bolts. It's going to look at the 10,000-foot view. If you keep doing what you're doing right now, what's the likely outcome? And then it's going to start diving in. It's going to start looking topically at different things. So, for example, every financial plan is going to look at cash flow It's going to look at insurance. It's going to look at income taxes and investments, retirement planning and estate planning. So if you look at those six areas that are covered by a true comprehensive financial plan, you can do a deep dive in any one of those areas. Mm -hmm. In the investments analysis, we absolutely would look at any annuities that were present. We would evaluate them for risk. We would evaluate them for cost versus benefit. Okay. And then if necessary, if it's an older, less rich annuity benefit, we may look to shop around and, and see what else is out there. I think it's it's important to in 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 doing a financial plan, I think it's always important to remember that what you put in place today is not necessarily written in stone for the rest of your life things change mm-hmm. products change life circumstances change markets and economies change that's why it's important to always be evaluating and updating that financial plan and i would say no less frequently than once every year
1: wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if you could set it and forget it but you know you need to <laughs> you need to go there and adjust oh by the way I'd, by the way don't let <laughs> Don't let Bernadoodles run your control board. I just had uh, <laughs> had my dog. Come oh, back. is
2: that what happened just there? <laughs> yeah.
1: If you're watching this on YouTube, all this stuff started flying all over the place. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me take care of this, buddy. So he just—it's
2: called a what? A Bernadoodle. A
1: Bernadoodle. Yeah, a little puppy just jumped up on my screen. Yeah. Like,
2: no, well, anyway, so right. just they in case you
1: were wondering what that was all about, hey, listen, give us a call 855-767-3123. seven six seven three one two three. We'd love to hear from you today eight five five Rose one two three.
2: That's right. I've spent some time talking about variable annuities. Um, I I see quite a lot of those. And the upside on variable annuities is depending on the program, depending on the carrier, you can manage the investments within a variable annuity in much the same way that you would manage your 401k or your brokerage account or your IRA. Um, For people who want to attempt to receive market-like returns who want to swing for the fences and try to grow that money more aggressively, a variable annuity is going to provide more of that sort of flexibility than with a fixed annuity or the equity-indexed type of annuity. The fixed annuity is on the opposite end from the variable annuity. It is truly A a fixed product, there's no downside market risk associated with it. There's a fixed rate of interest for a fixed period of time. And that's it. It acts an awful lot like a CD at the bank. The difference would be if you put non-IRA, non-retirement money into this fixed annuity, any interest that you earn during that period of time, the taxes on that interest are deferred until you pull the interest out. So that is a a, a tax deferral vehicle for money that isn't already tax deferred. Otherwise, it's just a very, very conservative way to position some money. It may be appropriate for you. It may not. For people who don't want the most aggressive and who don't want the most conservative, there's the right-in-the-middle annuity product called an equity-indexed annuity or a fixed-indexed annuity. You'll hear those, those terms used interchangeably. And these pull in characteristics of both the variable and the fixed. So a, a fixed equity-indexed annuity, a fixed-indexed annuity, may provide... Zero downside. It may completely protect so that you don't run the risk of ever losing money to the market. In exchange for that, they're going to cap the amount of return that you get. So you may have an equity indexed annuity that tracks the S&P 500. But if the annuity company is not going to subject you to any negative downside loss possibility, they are most certainly not going to give you 100% of the upside. We would all run and sign up for that in droves.
1: <laughs> yes, we would.
2: Well, all the ask. upside, none of the downside? Sign me up. It sounds like the perfect investment, which doesn't exist, right? Which doesn't exist, yeah. exactly. So I, I'm going to use this as an example. You may find XYZ Company has an equity indexed annuity with zero downside, and they'll give you 6% of the return of the S and P. So in a year when the S and P gets 10, you would only get six in a year where the S and P gets 20, you would only get six
1: in a year risk. That's I get that.
2: That's right. That's right. They're going to cap how much return you can get in a year when the market loses 10%, you'll get zero that year. You won't lose the 10%, but you won't gain anything either. Um, over time, um, the I my experience with those has been that the returns are very very muted, mm-hmm. usually in the four to five percent range. But for someone who wants the ability to somewhat participate in the market and take no risk, that may be a viable uh, a viable strategy.
1: Is that but again, really a good idea? I, I understand the different people do different things. and I know the closer in time you are to retirement, that's when you kind of got to get pull, pull the reins back a little bit and be more conservative so you don't lose your money. I'm guessing that's kind of what you're talking about with regards to when you would do something like this, or maybe you would do that as just having a conservative piece of your profile.
2: It's very interesting. I've seen a lot of strategies over the years. Um, I had a mentor way back in my early days in, in this business. Instead of buying bonds, she would use the equity indexed annuity for the bond sleeve. Hmm. Be- and, and her rationale was, look, you can lose money in bonds in, in this particular product. You can't. So we'll get something that acts like we think bonds should act. We'll, we'll lop off any potential downside and we'll use it that way. I've seen that. Uh, it can be. It can be. As with any financial product, any financial strategy, there's pros and cons mm-hmm. with annuities, and this has, and this is true with any of the variety of annuities I've talked about this morning. You will be subject to what's called a surrender period. It's a period of time during which, if you withdraw money, you're going to be penalized. And sometimes heavily, yeah. I've seen penalties in the early years of annuities that are 10, 11, 12%. Mm.
1: Yeah, they
2: mean for you, if you buy the annuity, to leave the money there for a period of time. Lots of them are seven years or longer. Would you be ever advocate shorter...
1: to put that all in, everything into an annuity, or would you want to diversify it? Yeah.
2: Absolutely not. And And there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't put everything in there, but one is a liquidity reason. Most annuity companies, even if you're in that surrender period where you're going to be penalized for taking money out, most annuity companies will allow what's called a liquidity provision where, hey, we know things happen. We know that you're not supposed to take money out. But in the event of an emergency, you can take out up to 10% in any of the first seven contract years. Mm -hmm. So most companies do have a little bit of a fail safe in there. But you have to understand that if you put money into an annuity program, you have sacrificed some liquidity. So for that reason, uh, primarily, I would never put everything right in one spot like that. Mm. I I think you subject yourself to some risk that you probably don't want by doing that.
1: You don't also get a lot of upside from some other types of things that you may have as a diversified profile, right?
2: Absolutely, one of the one of the biggest objections I hear from clients about annuities is that they're expensive. Hey, Dina, I can go invest my money cheaper, uh, just in a brokerage account, than I can with the annuity, mm-hmm. and that is absolutely true in almost all cases. However, when you buy an annuity, I would I would. <laughs> I would suggest to you that your reasons for buying an annuity are are mainly one of two things. First of all, if you have non-IRA money that's generating a lot of taxable dividends, interest, capital gains during the course of the year, you may want tax deferral on that portion of your money. That's why annuities were originally created, to provide tax deferral. So if I've got some money sitting in a CD at the bank and every penny of interest is taxable, I may opt to put that CD money into an annuity so that any growth, any interest, is, is the taxes on that are deferred until I decide to withdraw the money. Mm. So that's reason number one. Reason number two is most likely a guarantee of some sort of lifetime income. If you're taking for example, IRA money, and you're putting it into an annuity, ask the reason why. It's not tax deferral because you've already got that in your IRA, your 401k, right? Mm -hmm. So, So we're not buying the annuity for tax deferral. So what else is it providing for you? I would suspect that there's some mechanism for a guaranteed lifetime payout of some sort at some age. And if that's not part of the annuity planning, it ought to be. Hmm. Because in, in my mind, those are the two main purposes. Otherwise, absolutely, the people who say I can invest more cheaply elsewhere, you're exactly right. But what else do you want? What do you want from the annuity that you can't get elsewhere? So most of the time... Most of the time, it's that guaranteed income. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But what,
1: when, okay. I'm thinking, when I'm thinking about the life insurance, for some reason, annuity kind of comes to mind. Isn't it kind of like that? They, I know you hear a lot about life insurance investments. You hear a lot about you can get some money back or you can get a guaranteed return over time and all of that business. Isn't
2: life insurance kind of an annuity contract or is it not? Well, annuities are issued by life insurance companies, so in that vein, they are similar. They're issued from the same place, Mm. but um, life insurance is is a different thing. Yes, there are cash value life insurance policies that if you fork a ton of money into them and you play by the rules – In retirement, those life insurance contracts may provide a mechanism for you to to access that cash value and provide some tax-free income to your home. That's a different product. It's a different strategy, but that is absolutely available. The annuities are on the other side of the insurance house, and this is where we look to provide guaranteed lifetime income. Mm -hmm. If I've got a a retiree who says, okay, between my pension and my Social Security, they're giving me 80% of what I need to to pay the bills and live life the way I want to live it. One strategy may be to carve off a piece of the 401k or IRA or TSP money, move it into a variable or fixed or equity-indexed annuity with an income guarantee on it and fill up that other 20% of the budget that the pension and Social Security aren't fulfilling. Mm -hmm. That's the way I see annuities working in the context of a financial plan. But again, back to the reason I brought this up. So many times I run across annuities that were issued 10 or more years ago, And the marketplace has changed quite a bit. The ability to get higher income guarantees in some cases – it's very, very, uh, it's, it's widely available. So my, my whole point on talking about annuities today is not to convince you to go buy them because they're not right for everybody, but to say if you have one of these older contracts, let's sit down, let's evaluate it, let's look at the cost, let's look at the benefits, let's see if the benefits you've been paying for all these years, let's see if they are maxed out, never to go up again. And in a case like that, there may be a better option, and, again, and maybe it's, maybe it's tool, an annuity right? option, and maybe it's not.
1: And again, it's, it's a tool. It's it's one of those things that might fit within your context of your financial plan. It's not just something that's right you get because oh, I'm going to get money back out of it. But you got to know where that fits, right?
2: That's exactly right. So so many clients want us to devise an income plan for them in retirement. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I do is I look at the guaranteed sources of income that they can expect when they retire. Sometimes there's a pension. We, um, here in the D.C. metro area, we work with a lot of federal employees, a lot of federal retirees. The federal government gives its retirees a pension. Mm-hmm. So that's a guaranteed source of income. Most people we work with are entitled to Social Security. That's a guaranteed source of income. I recognize we could debate that. We're not going <laughs> to. Yeah, so so between pension yeah. and Social Security, the first thing we look at is, is to calculate whether those will be enough to fulfill your basic living expenses, the have-to things, the committed fixed expenses that cannot change no matter what happens in life. If you go into retirement with a car payment or a mortgage, you're going to have to keep the lights on and food on the table and gas in the car. So what does the total of those things, What what is that, and how much of that is satisfied by your pension and your Social Security? And then from there, we look at other assets. Maybe you have IRAs, 401Ks, 457 plans, government thrift savings plans. Whatever you have, a brokerage account at at your online trading firm. We look at all of the different sources. We look at the tax implications of using them because that's always in there as well. And then we map out a game plan at certain times in life. this This income piece will start. This one may stop. How do we fill the gap? What's the timing? Um, one of the questions I get an awful lot is when should I take my social security? We map all of that out. We stress test it. And we may look at two or three different strategies for, for stacking the income. But it always goes back to the financial plan. It always goes back to what are your family financial goals? What are you trying to accomplish in what time frame? How much income do you have to put toward the goal? How many assets do you have supporting the goal? And is there a shortfall?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, give us a call at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. We're going to take a quick break, quick time out here. We'd love to hear from you if any of these questions in this discussion have sort of prompted something in your mind to ask. Go ahead and give us a call, 855-767-3123.
3: Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea, call now 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal
1: Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123 is the phone number to call. Oh,
2: goodness. Am I losing my voice You getting choked up over there?
1: Yeah, I am. You know, it's it's an emotional thing for me. (laughs) 855-ROSE-123. I have that
2: impact on people. Yes, you do. You do. Before we get into the last segment of the program, I just want to remind our listeners of Larry's webinar on Wednesday, October 24th. The title of the webinar, Don't Let Unnecessary Taxes Erode Your Legacy. Boy, that's powerful. And what Larry's going to talk about that day, he's going to talk about the changes that came about as a result of the SECURE Act 2.0. SECURE Act originally changed how we pass IRA assets on to our heirs and beneficiaries. And SECURE Act 2.0 took those changes a little bit further. So, for example, before SECURE Act, if we had a son or a daughter or another beneficiary inherit what was left of our 401k plans when we went to heaven, they could stretch out payments from those retirement plans over the rest of their lives. We called it the stretch IRA. Secure Act got rid of the stretch. It changed the rules. So Larry's going to spend time on the 24th, first of all, talking about the markets and economy, because we all want to hear what he has to say about that. But then he's going to talk about those rule changes that came about as a result of the Secure Act 2.0, and he's going to teach you how to avoid unnecessary and exorbitant taxes when that money transfers to the next generation. You'll have an opportunity for Q&A, and you can come to this program in the middle of the day at noon um, in all times or Eastern. You can watch the program at noon or then again at 6 o'clock that evening. So you can do a lunch and learn, or you can come home from the office and plug in. But we'd love to have you there. If you come to our website, rosenthalwealthmanagement.com, you'll see a tab called Education and Events. And underneath that tab, there is a link for seminars. That's where you go sign up. It's super easy and it is no cost to you. And if We'd you're watching this on
1: you. YouTube, you can see the QR code up there. Go ahead and scan that to go ahead and register as well. It'll take you right to that same place.
2: You know, before the break, I was talking about financial planning and 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 how to bridge the gap when perhaps you're short of a goal. And so I want to spend the last bit of time we have together today talking about that. Because sometimes people come in, we work on a financial plan, and we find out that there's a shortfall maybe it 's a shortfall for retirement, maybe it 's for uh, buying a new home, sending kids to college, whatever the goal is we We put that in the financial plan, we analyze the resources available for that goal, and sometimes it 's not enough. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? We certainly don 't send you out the door and say so sorry <laughs> we help We help devise a plan to meet the goal yeah. so Here's what I want our listeners to understand today. When there's a shortfall on a financial goal, you've got four ways to address it. You can delay the goal. If I've got a client who wants to retire at 55 years old and the resources simply aren't there or the resources won't last them the rest of their lives, we can look at that and say, okay, retirement at 55 was an aggressive goal. Let's push that. Let's delay that retirement goal. Let's see what it looks like at 60. And we can keep massaging the plan until we find a time in the future where everything looks good. There are enough resources to meet the plan. There are enough resources that you won't outlive them. So that's one way to do it. We can leave everything else the same, keep the same level of savings, keep the same investment risk posture, just add a few years to the goal. Sometimes people go. like that. Sometimes they don't. Listen, we've
1: got a couple of the questions next- here on the on the phone here. I thought we'd just jump in. And we, I think one of the things yeah, we go talk- ahead. talked about earlier was insurances. And I, and I think, Dottie, help me understand. Are you asking a question today to Dina about insurance? Yes. Okay, go ahead.
4: Hi, yes. Uh, good morning. I am a Hi. 75-year-old female. And I have a term life insurance policy that I've had over 20 years. And... Uh, the premium is constantly going up with birth dates to fact, yeah. uh, like you said 200 plus dollars a month now but i've invested so much into this policy that i just do not know what to do continue paying it or what
2: well, and that's that's a rock and a hard place, Miss Dottie, because at 75 years old, if we went out to buy a brand new life insurance policy for you, and we could certainly investigate that, um, you're going to be qualifying for the policy based on your current age and your current health circumstance. Sometimes that's workable and sometimes it's not. Um The other thought I have for you is why not call the insurance company where you have the policy and ask them if there's a way to convert this to a permanent policy. Um, Permanent policies, think of them sort of in concept like a whole life policy. Um, you, You sometimes have the ability to take a term policy, convert it to a permanent policy, and then set the premiums from there. The downside to doing that is a permanent policy is almost always more expensive than a term policy. The benefit to you, if the company allows it, will be a set premium for the rest of your life. It will be a known entity end of story. And you won't have to go through underwriting and prove health or any of those kind of things. So I would start there by calling the insurance company and ask if they have a conversion capability on this policy. They may, they may not.
1: How does that sound to you, Dottie? Sounds
2: great. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you for your call today. Thank
2: you for the call, Miss Dottie.
1: And uh, we appreciate that. I'm going to put you on hold and get you over to to Bob for some more information. Let's talk to Eric, who's uh, passing a house on to his children, I guess, and has a question about that. Is that right, Eric?
4: Uh, Yes, it's my parents who have have a house who want to pass it down to us, the children. What is the best way to minimize the tax or, you know, things like that?
2: That, That's a great question. Where is the home located?
4: It's in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland.
2: Okay, so it's a Maryland property, and your parents are living in that home as their primary residence? Yes. Okay, very good. So some states have what's called a transfer-on-death deed for real estate. The transfer-on-death deed for real estate is awfully, awfully nice because it passes the property directly to the beneficiary. It's private. It avoids probate. Unfortunately, Eric, Maryland does not recognize transfer-on-death deeds for real estate. So, what other option does that leave you? Well, it leaves you some legal options, and I would direct you toward um, an estate planning attorney to help you look at the ins and outs of this. One thing I will say very, very clearly, probate is not fun. You don't want to do that to anybody you love. So... If you have the ability to meet with an attorney and discuss ways to pass this house outside of probate, that would be my first stop. If I were you, Maryland's got an inheritance tax. And if you pass this property directly, you may be able to avoid the Maryland inheritance tax. If it goes through probate, you will not. So I would say let's get you paired up with an estate planning attorney who can show you the options. A lot of times what I see is people will do a revocable living trust, and they will simply retitle the house in the name of the trust. But I would want you to get legal advice on that so that you understand the pros and the cons of doing things that way.
4: Oh, okay. Wait, Another question uh, is that about you know the federal government digital currency, the Fed Now program. You know mm-hmm. how how more and more people are talking about how you know the federal government you know teamed up with all the banks, you know to uh, turn all the all your accounts into digital accounts, and they they are going to control. All your money, and if they don't like you, they can freeze some money like they did to Canada recently. you know all these scary, scary stories and that's
2: <laughs> and that's certainly a fear um the central bank digital currency I hear questions on that regularly um there's there's two schools of thought on this school of thought number one is, hey, we have been headed down this digital currency path for a a couple or three decades by now. When we started swiping credit cards instead of manually handwriting a credit card slip at the store, we entered into the digital currency age. And as time has passed, we have found more and more ways to digitize our life. And I mean, I'm, I'm a perfect example. I hardly ever have actual cash in my wallet. It's just much easier to swipe a card that's digital. Now, of course, the the flip side of that is, oh, hey, if everything's digital, the government can control us. They can use that as a means to force us to do what they want us to do. And, and Eric, I don't have any promises. I don't have any reassurances that that will never happen. I don't think it's happening today. I don't think it's happening imminently. But the, the globe, the global economy is moving toward this digital idea And as time goes on, we get closer and closer to that. Will we reach a point where we have to take all of our greenbacks to the bank and exchange it for bits and bites? I don't know. I I wish I had a more comforting answer for you. I do understand the concern, and I hear it quite a lot. Um, I'm not frantic Mm -hmm. over this at this stage. I'm not losing sleep over it. I'm not wringing my hands.
1: All right, Eric. Okay. Okay. Thank you. listen, hang on just a second. We'll get you over to a... A uh, person who can talk to you about estates and the estate planning and how to handle that house situation. So hang in there just yep, a second. Great. We'll be right back with you. 855 um, 767 Remember, that number rings in the office after the show is over and throughout the week. So if you have any questions at all, then you can pass them along at that time. We're well, about four minutes are left in the program, so... We'll turn it over to you to kind of summarize some things. I've
2: got four things. I was talking about how do you fix a financial plan that falls short. The first thing I said was you can delay the goal. Retire later. Buy your house further in the future. If that doesn't work for you, you can reduce the cost of the goal. Now, there's a lot of implication to that. You may retire on less money, you may buy a smaller house, you may buy it in a different community than you had originally planned, but reducing the cost of the goal can also help bridge the gap. If those first two don't work for you, you can save more money toward the goal. If your budget permits and you can increase your your retirement plan savings, or you can save more money toward a home down payment, or put more money in 529 college accounts for your kids... Adding more money now toward a goal that exists somewhere in the future, that's a very, very good way to bridge a gap. And then the fourth way is to simply invest more aggressively. Sometimes I see clients whose investment profile is too conservative for what they're trying to do with their financial plan. The reality is sometimes it takes a combination of these four things to make a financial plan work. But what I want you to understand Is that there are ways, if you think that you're not on track for retirement, if you think that you're not on track to do the things that require money, come see one of our financial planners. We can show you how to get there, and we can hopefully show you how to get there with a minimal amount of pain to you. So delay the goal, reduce the cost, save more, or invest more aggressively. Those are the ways you shore up, the the way you plug a hole in a financial plan.
1: There you go. Hey, listen, I'm going to throw up that QR code if you're watching on uh, YouTube uh, now so that you can register for that upcoming October Mm -hmm. webinar. And That's 855-767-3123 if you'd like to call and register by phone. That's 855-ROSE-123. It's been a great webinar. We've had a lot of fun with these, and Larry does a great job Mm -hmm. and answers all kinds of questions. So it's not like you're just sitting there watching him talk to you. You have the opportunity to also uh, go ahead and participate. So that's coming up just around the corner. Got about a minute to go
2: ahead and uh, summarize what we're talking about here today. Well, we talked about the markets. The markets were, were blissfully more stable this past week than expected. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks. I also talked about making sure that, financial products, particularly annuities, that you put into place 8, nine, ten years ago, have those products reviewed. See if that is still the best place for those dollars. See if that annuity program still provides to your financial plan what you intended it to provide. Sometimes there are richer annuity benefits out there today than there were before, And sometimes we actually find that the annuity is no longer needed anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's part of doing a financial plan and making sure that every dollar is well accounted for. Give us a call. We're happy to help.
1: It sure has been good and fun to have you on the radio with us again this week. We appreciate you so much. And I'm hoping that you'll enjoy, I, uh, enjoy coming back to us again here soon before too long. i would love to have you on the radio.
2: Well, yes. and that's what I was getting ready to tell you. Surprise, I'm back next Saturday.
0: Sweet.
2: There you go. Yep. <laughs> <That'll> well, be- <laughs> I'll see you again in <laughs> a week.
1: Right. Well, that'll be great. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you listening and watching to uh, the Larry Rosenthal Show once again this week. Talk to you again next time on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Have a great week. <laughs>